Hello, you. So I finally got around to putting this episode out. This is a Twitter Spaces conversation I had with the Stoic Empire a week or two ago now. And I recently did a huge Twitter thread. I visualized a huge Twitter thread for the Stoic Empire. Since then, the Twitter thread has gone pretty much viral, 700 retweets, all kinds of cool stuff. And this Twitter conversation that we had on Twitter spaces is basically all about the thread. And we, we've we got other people chiming in as well, asking questions. It turned out really good, actually. I really enjoyed it. And I think you'll enjoy this too. And I said to the Stoic Empire, I'll put it on my podcast. And it's finally here after a week. Another thing to say, if you're not aware of what Twitter spaces is, Twitter spaces is essentially Twitter's version of Clubhouse. So you jump onto Twitter, you invite people in, I invited the Stoic Empire in, I sat there and we had a voice conversation. There was no video to this, so this isn't available on YouTube or anything else. So without further ado, let's start talking about the Twitter thread. Spaces is just like Clubhouse, basically. Yeah. It's just the Twitter version of of Clubhouse. Obviously, the advantage of doing it on Twitter is you get to bring all your followers over with you. When Whenever you go live on Twitter Spaces, it shows up at the top of people's screens. They can see it straight away. Whereas on Clubhouse, you've obviously got to make an entirely new audience. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, uh, Naval's been uh, tweeting a lot about that recently. Has big problem, isn't it, for... For um, Clubhouse, in terms of being pulled across, yeah, especially Twitter followers. Yeah, yeah. But the main thing we want to really talk about is your thread: how to avoid wasting your life. What made you write this thread for a start? I mean, the thread's excellent at the minute. It's been up about a month. It's got six hundred retweets. It's your pinned tweet on your Twitter account right now. Six hundred retweets, two thousand likes. It's done pretty well. What made you write this? Uh, yeah. So, um, well, first, thank you very much for, for the visual um, and, and the graphics because I think that's uh, a large part of why it's, it's done so well. I think that kind of helps to, to bring across the message uh, much more clearly. And um, I've had a lot of people uh, message me about the visuals um, and sort of say that was, a, that, was, that was a great help. So, first of all, thank you very much for that. Um, and, yeah, with the, with the thread, I think, uh, I think it's, it was just a it was sort of a collection of things that uh, of the books I've been reading and um, and things that have sort of come to me quite recently that I sort of thought I'd be good to put together and I thought they're a helpful reminder for myself and, and essentially others uh, which which clearly it has done so um, of of the sort of things that you want to avoid and the things you want to, to aim for to to make sure you don't you don't waste your life away essentially. Mm. So what what have you been reading then? Let us in on the secret. Let us in on secret. Um, so I've been well. The the book I'm rereading at the moment is uh, Seneca's Letters from the Stoic, which is um is it's a great book. I definitely recommend you can pick it up on on Amazon for for less than ten ten pounds or ten dollars, whatever your your currency is. Um, and yeah, I've been rereading that recently. That's a great book, and I think uh one of the lovely things about a lot of the the Stoic books is 
they're not very perfect reads they're often it's the same ideas sort of repeated often and I don't think this gives them sort of such a good credit when it comes to uh, sort of uh, the academic side of philosophy um, but they're really good they're a really good reminder that you know nobody's perfect and uh, you can see how the the writer has sort of uh, gone through if it's Marcus Reyes' meditation book for instance you can see how uh, over time he's he's updated his his personal notes to try and remind himself of, of different things and you, you see a lot of ideas repeating themselves the same ideas which although it can be quite repetitive to read it's a really good reminder that you know all of these principles that you're trying to lay down you're there's no point in just tweeting them once or just remembering it and then going oh that's done it's, it's something that you have to work on for for your whole life um to, to get right and i think that's a, a nice reminder in those books mm, i think that's the the beauty of stoicism as a whole stoicism is so simple it's easy to understand you don't need to read huge tomes of books to know where to start with it i think one of my favorites is um it's a modernization it's the uh, the art of living by uh, epictetus epictetus i never really know how to say his name um yeah how do you say it <laughs> i think it said epictetus right i could be wrong yeah i, I think it's just my yorkshire i just want to say epictetus so I, uh, I just say it like, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of my favourites um, because it's so, so short. Um, I think it was originally called The Handbook, wasn't it? I think that's what he referred to it as when he first wrote it. Yeah, yeah that, sounds, that sounds about right, yeah. What, it, what, what are you reading at the moment? What's your, your go-to at the moment? I'm reading a couple of books at the minute, actually. I'm reading, and this is another one I don't know how to say. It's um, La Rochefoucauld. Um, I've probably absolutely butchered that. He's a, he's a French a French writer, and the book is Collected Maxims. It's basically a book of aphorisms. It's all the yeah. ones that he wrote throughout his life. Fantastic book. And then the other one I'm reading, I'm actually reading Nietzsche for the first time, so I'm reading Beyond Good and Evil. I don't know why Nietzsche has kind of... I've never read him before. I've, I've just it's never come across him. And... This is this is quite interesting, actually, because at the very beginning of Beyond Good and Evil, the first chapter is all about philosophies and all about philosophers. And he absolutely lays into Stoicism. And he calls it uh, the philosophy of indifference, basically. And he, he, yeah. he rallies around the idea of how can somebody be indifferent? Surely the whole point of life is to, you know, not be indifferent have passions and you know have focuses in life and things like that and yeah he's he's quite withering about stoicism actually yeah i think it's a yeah it's a really interesting point because that that is one of the biggest principles um and also yeah one of the biggest yeah criticisms of stoicism um the ideas are sort of with marcus Aurelius, you know if it doesn't if you, if you don't think it can harm you then it can't harm you which if you take literally makes no sense at all in the sense of there are a lot of things which will permanently harm you and regardless of what you think of them makes no difference to the amount of damage it will do to you um but then there are also a lot of things in life which we let harm us when they have no um material way of actually harming us it's just our we, we let ourselves be harmed by them so yeah it's a really interesting point of one of it's, it's sort of it depends how you take it doesn't it if you take it in the literal sense it doesn't really give you much but if you take it in the sense of especially in the modern era a lot of the things which harm us aren't aren't tangible then i think has a lot of power 
I think one of the the whole core ideas of Stoicism and the whole idea behind um, only concentrating on things that are within your control. I, I I I don't know how we could live life without thinking like that these days. Yeah, I know it's um, yeah, it's baffling, isn't it? I think it's weirdly Stoicism. Well, another thing that's amazing reading, uh, so for instance, rereading um, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca, is that these ideas they they were they were so applicable, you know, two thousand years ago, um, but they're even more applicable now because the what two thousand years ago you, you had a lot of distractions, but you didn't have the level of distractions that we now we now face in the modern era, um, and and this is this is now living in an age where you've got you've got social media, which is you have people designing algorithms which are designed to make you into, um, you know, to, to become addicted. So it's, I think it's, it's a more difficult task that we face now in the modern era than, than they had. Um, so I, I, don't, I think the, the words and the, the principles have, have just become more and more applicable um, as time has gone on. I think what's even harder now as well is that even if we know that we shouldn't be concentrating on everything and focusing on everything, it's because of algorithm algorithms and because of the way the internet is, we often actually don't really understand what we should be focusing on, right? We think we should be focusing on Twitter or whatever, and it seems harmless at first, and then you end up getting drawn into it and then becoming a bit of an addict to it. it it's uh, it, it's it's tougher than ever to actually know who's trying to hoodwink you and who's not. Yeah, exactly, and. Uh... Uh, you, you've had some quite good tweets about this I've, I've seen uh, recently, um, and I think I, I've tweeted about this a, a while back. Just also the idea of you know, like Twitter's great, but at the end, it's, it's also just another form of social media. You can just waste all your time away just posting on Twitter, trying to you know play a status-driven game where you're trying to just increase your following the whole time. Um, not really, you know, if, if you're if you use Twitter, I, I personally use Twitter as just kind of it's, it's just essentially my little diary that's online instead of, of being a private diary just keep it online um if, if you use it for that purpose i i, I think it's got a little bit of a, a use case if you're just using it as a well i don't know what what the purpose you'd be using for but if you're just trying if your whole purpose is to gain followers um and it's just a status tool then i'm not sure it has great uh deal of use and i i think you actually will find you're, you're probably not much better off on twitter than you're on instagram or another social network which um which is, is just essentially uh you trying to improve your status Mm. I, th- I think one of the first realizations that I started to come across over the last couple of weeks, and yeah, a lot of my tweets have actually kind of been anti-Twitter over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So I, I was I was beginning to read this this book of ath- aphorisms by the French writer I can't pronounce. And yeah. At the beginning of it, there's a biography, and he's he's talking about um, you know, where he came from, and and this particular book. It was it was one of the only books that he ever really wrote, and it, and it is, it, a, a aphorism is essentially a tweet. Well, a, a tweet is an aphorism if you put it the right way around, um, and and this book is is basically full of aphorisms. It isn't even a, a consistent piece of prose. It, it's not a full written book or anything. And he pretty much dedicated half of his life to writing this book, and it went through yeah. several different iterations. It's been read by millions of people at this point. And when I was sat there reading it, I was thinking, every day, every day I'm writing tweets, and at the end of the day, they're gone, they disappeared, they're not being added to a book or anything like this. I'm not creating an asset, something that people could come to over time 
And obviously people can go back and find tweets, but that's really not how the algorithm tends to work. We have to keep feeding it every single day with new ideas and new ways of saying the same things. And it, it really got me it really got me quite bitter about the whole process. And I, I was thinking, you know, I, I typically write eight to 10 tweets a day or something like that. Should I really be spending my time doing that? Or should I be spending my time creating something with a bit more meaning, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think if, if you do want to, if you do want to treat, app, tweet aphorisms or you, or you do want to do that, at least, at least make it something that you personally thought of that day and has been useful for you that day and then tweet it not not the reverse case otherwise yes you are just literally supplying stuff to the the feed just to try and bulk it up and if you're if you're not taking anything away from that personally then i'm not sure what really the uh, the benefit of it is i just want to return to uh this tweet thread a second it, so it's, a, it's at the top of the space now if you can't see it and by the way if anybody wants to jump in and, and talk either talk about the the thread or talk about stoicism or talk about how to avoid wasting your life or any comments or anything please just uh, hit me up and i'll add you in um i just want to return to this thread because obviously this this thread's quite long and it's done really well and i was just curious as to what kind of what's your process for kind of writing a, a thread like this i could never write something like this i i honestly I haven't got the attention span to be able to put something together like this um but yeah what's the what's the process of, that you go through for writing this do you keep notes over time and then pull them together into one consistent thing or is it just a, a whirlwind of an idea or something like that yeah um i if anyone can just sort of pull it together and you know sit down for now i'd be i i that would be very very impressive if they can do so yeah it's just a case of you know, keep, keeping notes over time, and then I just sort of link ideas together, and and um, if it all kind of fits under a general theme, and then I, I sort of pull it together for my notes that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think it works better that way. I, I feel if if you try and sit down and then just try and write write a thread to try and get as much impressions and um, retweets on Twitter, I, I don't think you can't with anything good. I think it's just a case of you know, when keeping your notes as you go, um, you can you can always just tweet them tweet them out if you've you've thought something out there and it was particularly useful for you and then later on come back to it and maybe rephrase it and then it fits together with another idea and then you can put put that stuff together. So I suppose yeah, that's my that's my kind of way of approaching it. The reason I ask is because uh Tom Hurst is a friend of mine on Twitter and he's got a very popular thread called Pricing Freelance Projects. Uh, and at the minute it's got 10,000 retweets, 40,000 likes, it's ridiculous. And he he said he like all of his threads, he's really good at writing threads. He says he just gets the idea and he just bashes out the thread uh, in one sitting and then it's done. Uh, and I when I wherever I write threads, that's how I tend to feel as well. I feel like um I'll I I won't get the idea uh, if I sit and chew over it for a really long time, the idea is kind of gone. But if if I'm in that instance where the enthusiasm's there, I'll quickly write the thread. But I probably wouldn't return to it. It's it's quite interesting to hear that. Yeah, definitely. There's, you can definitely do it different ways, can't you? I think that's just the way that works personally for me. And I think it depends on the content. If you 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 see quite a lot on Twitter, people write sort of um, threads more of a, as a story where it kind of flows and it's a lot more kind of chatty, um, not so much to the point. It kind of um, those types of threads. I think those ones are more um, suited to sitting down in an hour and writing because it kind of flows more together. Whereas I think for me, I've kind of trying to pull quite a few different ideas together 
um, in a way that makes sense. And I, I think that it probably makes a little bit more sense to, to sort of do it slowly and work on it over time. But yeah, both ways obviously work pretty well for different people. What kind of thread have you found that is, is the most successful? What kind of format is the most successful for you? Well, this is the most successful thread, which I think is mostly probably down to your, your work on, on visualizing it. Um, but I, I think this works best for me. But I think on general, in general, I think people do better with the, the, the way that you mentioned previously, sort of a slightly, you sort of write it all in one go, write it as a, kind of, a slightly more chatty style where um, you're not so succinct to the point, but you still obviously get explain it uh very well i think that tends to it better because it reads more like a like a story then mm. i think what you've done well with yours and i i i think these kind of threads tend to work really well is that each individual tweet is is a retweetable piece of nugget and that's what you've done with yours really well isn't it yeah i think that is the yeah i think that is the one sort of really good point about this type of thread yeah is that especially with the, the visual as well, it stands alone as a piece, um, which is which is obviously really useful, yeah, as people can go through the thread and if something particularly stands out, then they can share it, whereas if you tell us a story, it's quite difficult to, to share individual tweets of the of the thread. I think as well with, with some of the ideas that you're sharing too, I, th- I think that's that's almost the way that, that it's got to be done. It's, it, it's essentially a, a thread of aphorisms, isn't it? It's kind of a thread of truths or, or what you believe to be true yeah it, yeah exactly yeah and there is a, as we were saying earlier there's a very distinct point here of you know you can i i make it so that when i fully understood it and possibly applied it in reality then i tried to tweet about it not the reverse and i definitely try to not write a thread about it if i don't know what it means in real life um and how you'd apply that um so I think that is the one thing if you're tweeting, especially in shorter form, you want to be very careful um, to do because uh, you, you do see a lot of accounts out there which are kind of like Naval 2.0 and uh, it's, you, you know, it depends. If, if it means something to you and it's like, if you're keeping it as a kind of, I keep it just as a diary and they're just like little, I don't know, I know that's how Naval keeps his, um, I keep mine in a similar way. It's just like a little diary and just points that I can then, just scroll back through and just be like, oh yeah, I said that. Why did I say that? Oh, because it means this, this applies in this context. Um, I think in that way, it's really useful. Um, and, and you can make a, you know, you can just tweet lots of, lots of short sort of bite-sized pieces. Um, if you want to do be successful on Twitter, it does work. It's just that I'm not sure you're really using your time very well if it's not your sort of diary or something like that, because I'm not sure who is going to benefit. Well, I think it comes back to that point again about, what's really the purpose of it this kind of existential crisis that i've been going through with twitter if you are just writing the tweets from books that you've read and you're just doing it for the engagement really what is the point what are you what are you gaining from that experience yeah yeah exactly yeah and then from time to time i i post a quote when i when i've just been reading some material and and i just come across a line which um which i think is really nice and other people would like and I guess yeah, there's there's two ways you you can you can do that because you want to remind yourself of this and, and share it with other people. But yeah, if you if you take it too far, you are just essentially just cutting and pasting old wisdom, not adding anything new to it, and just circulating it around the uh, the Twitter sphere, which yeah doesn't really doesn't really help much. Shall we? Shall we? Uh, would you, do you want to go through the thread and some of the some of the, what your favourite pieces? 
Yes, I was just exactly about to say that right now. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Uh, yeah. Just to remind anybody, if anybody wants to jump in, if anybody wants to chat or talk about any of these topics that we're about to talk about, just request to speak, and I'll invite you to the stage. Somebody somebody requested to speak, and, and they've gone now. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to say anything to anything that we're adding here, please do. Uh, so let's have a look. In fact, let's just, in fact, the, the first tweet in this thread, so let me just drop it into the space so people can see it. The first tweet in the thread is the one that's done the the, the most well, uh, the most well, <laughs> the best. Wow, I can't speak now. Um, it's, it's the one that's done the best in the whole thread. I guess that might be because it's the first one, but the there's a couple of ideas going on in this one. Aim for patient wealth, not get get rich quick schemes aim for lifelong integrity not virtual signaling aim for persistent happiness not bite-sized dopamine hits aim for permanent contentment not a chain of desires aim for lasting freedom not annual holidays i mean there's so much to unpack in that one yeah so i think the 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 overriding theme on that is that almost all of the best things in life come from patients they don't come from instant uh, sort of gratification that's almost always the worst route you can choose nowadays um, and we are living in an era of instant gratification so uh, I think that's the sort of more uh, has more meaning now than, than ever before um, and that's, I think that's then I've just tried to sort of apply that in five different contexts so you can see what it means um, but the first one aim for patient wealth not get rich quick schemes uh, that's kind of an old uh, an old idea you know sort of grandma's wisdom and that you know there's no such thing as a, a free lunch um all of the real i think naval had a good tweet about it saying that you know all the real returns in life are made in the long run um uh so yeah that, that's just kind of old wisdom on you know you, you don't try and do stuff too fast you're you, you've got to enjoy the process um and that's the same for, for all five of them so in terms of happiness is definitely not a instant gratification uh thing and it's something you have to work on for a long time um integrity is the same thing there's no point in having integrity for for one day and then the rest of your life not having integrity because that defeats the purpose of it um and the same thing for sort of contentment and happiness are, are mixed together if you if you're always having desires you're you're never going to be content um so it's something you have to work on over a long time to to achieve and i think that's kind of displayed quite nicely with um with the graphic as well Mm. What what does integrity mean to you? Uh, I'd say integrity was. Well, there's probably I've probably tweeted about four different definitions of the word over over the course <laughs> of my account, but it, I'd probably say it. I, I think you you want to do everything you you do in life when to, to someone else or when it's regards to someone else. You want to do as if they were in the room. You you don't want to do anything. You, you don't want to run multiple threads through of your life. Do everything you want to run everything on one thread. So, if if your friend isn't there, you want to speak the same about that about your friend as if they were stood right next to you, and, and the same for anyone else. So you want one sort of consistent thread of of everything. So I, I, I suppose it's kind of mixed in with honesty in that way, and just being being true about everything, which is um, and, and I'd say just kind of sticking sticking to your character as well. Um, nowadays. It, it's very easy to, to signal virtue and you see it a lot online um, when it comes to sort of things like charity. Um, a lot of people will, will you know, donate a tiny amount of money 
compared to the actual amount of money that they they make each year, and they'll make a, a song and a dance about it online, um, which which is it's great that you've donated, but at the same time, the, the the best charity is the charity that you do in secret and you never tell anyone about it because then you know that you are literally doing it because you you know it's the right thing to do, not because you want to gain status or um, or some other method of sort of getting return on your your um, on the money that you've given. So it's, it's, yeah, like charity is very different from investment in that perspective. And I, I think that kind of links in quite well with um, integrity as well. What, what does it mean to you? Yeah, kind of a similar thing. I, the, the word that com, comes to my mind is, is consistency or consistency of self uh, and the way that you interact with others, but not just the way that you interact with others, the way that you interact with yourself and I think in in many senses that's more important than anything else. So you, um, when you say you are going to do a certain thing, you do the certain thing you said you were going to do. When you say you are going to treat certain people the way that you will treat them, basically you're always consistent. Uh, until, obviously, we change our minds, which is perfectly allowed, and we change that a lot. But for me, integrity is, it is basically saying what you you're actually going to do and doing it and following through with it which sounds incredibly obvious but it's actually incredibly difficult to do for uh, for a variety of reasons these days not not less because of social media not least because of social media because it's very very easy to basically pretend to be somebody that you're not online now so it's it's probably harder than ever i think to be in, in have integrity yeah, yeah, definitely. I think with with every single tweet in this thread, and in general, sort of philosophy um, um, for your for your life, um, I think the the key point is that, like we said about this thread, none of this is supposed to come to you instantly. It's, it's something it's, with integrity. It's something that you have to work on over over time. Um, you can make a great start on it today, but you you're going to have to work for your life if you want to sort of um, you want it to to function that way. And um, I think that's the, that's the same with all of them. It's the the key really is to sort of be quite introspective, and you need to you need to analyze yourself as more than you you analyze the rest of the world. Because I think nowadays it's very easy to analyze everything everyone else does, and then we sort of forget about how we're acting ourselves. Whereas I think you need to reverse the process um, and make sure you're thinking more about more about the way that you act yourself like why do i feel angry at that how could i flip this situation so i see the positive in it um i think that's that's quite a powerful hack that you can kind of use nowadays to to uh try and be a more peaceful and a, and a happier person mm. yeah that's 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 a really good point uh, so i invited somebody to the stage did did you want to say something sorry i can't pronounce your name i'm really sorry uh, it's all right it's all right am i audible yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have one question. So uh, I want to ask that uh, how can we overcome our present bias? You know, I know that uh, uh, we should do certain things, we should do this, 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 but we don't have patience to, you know, sustain that. So how do I, you know, uh, overcome that present bias? Yeah. What did you say? Present bias. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, to, uh, how do I delay that gratification? How to be more uh, patient, essentially. Yeah, 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 to patience for the results. You know, yeah. it's not always, uh, you know, the immediate. 
you have to be the patient with the results yes yeah yeah, yeah. i think uh, and, I, i'm sorry my english is a little bit broken i'm sorry i, I hope you understand all it's, yeah. it's, it's perfect very good yeah yeah it's perfect yeah um i think yeah i think um in terms of sort of like hacks to make, to make yourself into a more patient person um i think uh meditation is probably one of the the best ways the the biggest problem i think um in the modern era is that we it's so easy to get hooked on sort of instant gratification um because there's so much ways to get hooked on it and i think what you need to do to sort of reverse the process um is is to use a lot of maybe more ancient methods so uh, for instance re- re- if you just read really good books really good philosophy books um maybe the one that the Craig can pronounce that sounds quite good um and um there, i mean there's so much stuff out there. and after this i'm sure Craig and I can pull together a list of some some good books to read on on that kind of thing um as well as as meditating um that's also i found to be really useful i think there's a lot of old hacks which people have used over the ages to sort of just slow yourself down and not get drawn into the kind of what appears to be such a sort of fast paced lifestyle and you can you can kind of slow it right down and then i think the trick that you want to do is you want to sort of see i i've I tweeted about this before but to sort of just see reality for what it really is and you see this if when you when you can achieve that and you can just see everything for what it is rather than your judgment of what it is which is kind of the essence of stoicism i suppose um it it makes you into a more peaceful and a more patient person because you're not you're not always demanding something um next and something instantly which is something you have to work on it's not it's not something that comes to anybody easily but it's definitely something that's worth doing because it's it's very hard to always be um instantly searching for some instantly desiring something and also be happy at the same time because you're you're always sort of running in a deficit of um what you currently need according to what you think yeah yeah perfect yeah that's yeah. that's a great way of putting it i think so, one other so, thing yeah sorry go on oh, so one more thing like i want to put uh, something that like uh, do we really need to you know the adopt the already given you know philosophy given by great people or it is it is necessary to you know create our own philosophy for our life um i i'd say on that uh you definitely just reading uh mm-hmm. if if anyone hasn't got a copy of the letters from the by tony i would i would definitely recommend buying it just rereading that recently he like, has a really uh, good sorry yeah. Sorry uh, sorry I personally think that we need to come up with our own philosophy rather than picking up from somewhere else I know it's uh, you know useful uh, to read all of that stuff but at the end of the day we need our own philosophy to overcome our problems and our situation in our life what's your thing on that Yeah yeah exactly that's that's what I'm trying to get onto yeah so the the book is the book is excellent but he makes a really good point in there about although you can you can read all of these books and um you can you can take in and sort of try and apply everything they they tell you to unless unless you live it for yourself it's not going to mean much to you you need to and that's what I try to do with twitter i try to tweet it after i understand what it really means in in real life and i think you'll find the the returns are a lot better when when you do it that way rather than the reverse so you do yeah you do in a sense need to come up with your own philosophy because it's got to be relevant to your life what you what you don't want to what you want to do is when you read stuff and you read the if you if you still listen to the news or if you take it in a more sort of a better form um 
when you, when you take stuff in, you want to judge them as if judge everything as if you are completely independent of the situation and try and remove as many biases as you can, so that you're you're operating more um, in a more almost like a computer in that you'll just take everything for what it is rather than sort of applying all this judgment yeah. from, from the, the years that you've lived and all the biases um, that you identify. If you you know if if you're a left wing um, supporter in, in politics, when someone on the right wing speaks, you want to take what they say for exactly what it is, not trying to apply your bias in the reverse. If you're a right wing supporter and Joe Biden says says something now for the Democrats, take take what he says exactly to as uh, take what he says in, don't take in who's saying it. That's not so important. Um, so I think that's kind of the the thing that you want to do. And and when you're doing that, you'll build up your own philosophy over time because you'll you'll read all these great books and you'll hear what people have to say and then you sort of go okay that's great Seneca said that but is that is that true nowadays and if it's not true then maybe maybe you've got a better version of what one of some one of some of the finest from from Greece and Rome um had to say maybe maybe it's changed now maybe you found what the the, you know that that new line has to be upgraded and it, it should be rephrased in this way because of because times have changed so yeah you definitely want to what you want to do is you want to build the foundation if you have no foundations of your philosophy. You want to read some really great books to to sort of get yourself that foundation, and then you want to think about all of those foundations and say, okay, have they changed now? If it's changed, I can apply my own stuff on top of this. But the the foundational truth, I think, never changes. It's always the same. It's how there's little bits here and there that sort of change at the the next level up. But I think the foundational truth always stay the same. Yeah, definitely, you're right. So one more thing, uh, let's say, you know, can we become a long-term creature to think long-term, act long-term all the time so we can create, you know, better life for ourselves, better family, better job, or is it, uh, or it is, it is just a road to, you know, a very depressed life. Like if you think all about long-term, 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 it might be, you know, it might be, it might be possible that we are going to burn out. So what's your take on that? Is it about mindset or we should stick to some scientific uh, approach towards all of that stuff? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Craig, if you, if you want to jump in on any of these, feel free to. Um, I was just going to say the only thing I've got to say on this one is, yeah, so you, you're sort of playing a balancing game. So you don't want to spend your whole life sort of feeling like you're playing a video game and you're trying to level up and it's about some, some great happiness that you're going to achieve when you're 80 if you do all of these things um but you what you don't want to do is you don't want to you don't want to sacrifice your long-term happiness by some short-term game that's going to disappear tomorrow um and i think that's quite a powerful i i, I don't know if i read that somewhere or just something i sort of realized on my own um but i think that's quite a powerful hack so, so don't sacrifice your permanent long-term happiness by doing something in the short term which is going to ruin your your long-term happiness and that keeps you that, that line alone will keep you clear from a lot of things which could potentially cause quite a disruption in your life. So then, and then at the same time, your happiness is going to come from you basically being in the present moment. So your, your long-term happiness, you sort of, you, you, it, your happiness at any point is going to be from being in the present moment. But, um, so that's how your happiness is going to be derived. But at the same time, you don't want to do stuff in the short term, which is only going to give you a, a short-term game and then in the long term is going to set you back. If it doesn't set you back in the long term and it doesn't harm other people and it's, you know, so this could be like your hobbies and things like that to do, then obviously that's, that's amazing. 
But if it's going to set you back in the long term, you just rather than sort of thinking you're living your whole life of being, I'm going to do all these things which are going to be great in 50 years and I'm not going to really enjoy my life right now because I'm just working so hard away because I'm going to be rich when I'm 80. That's not probably the best path. You, you want to, you want a path where you can be in the present moment and enjoying everything you're doing right now. And then you just don't want to do activities which are going to then cause a deficit in your long-term happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So how to find that, you know, sweet balance spot in which we can enjoy both short term and our long term goals? Craig, you I know it's yeah. a very subjective question. I know it's a very subjective I'll, question. I'll, but I'll still, do, I'll I want in. to know. Yeah. Um, yeah I, sure. I just, just want to quickly say um, thanks for the questions. Um, but I'll, 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 we'll answer this last one and then we'll move on to um, Bl- yeah. Bladiel, I presume it is. Um, and, and I'm only taking you off the stage, by the way, just so I can keep track of who we still need to talk to. So I'm just going to remove you from the stage, but we'll answer the question. Cheers for the question, sure, sure, by sure. the way. Um, yeah, so I've got a couple, couple of things to just, just say about things that we were talking about then, particularly patience. To begin with, I mean, patience and long-term thinking and all these kind of things, they, they all seem like they're fighting against each other, right? That's quite a hard thing to uh, manage sometimes but in terms of long-term thinking i used to be very goal driven i used to set long-term goals medium-term goals things like that uh i used to set five-year goals all that kind of stuff and i realized that after a while of doing that kind of thing it never really brought me any happiness because i was always thinking about the future i was always looking towards the future i was very long-term thinking so i i i could delay my gratification quite easily but I was never gratified in the moment I was never gratified in the present like uh, the stoic empire was saying so I shifted my thinking from that to to basically stop setting goals so I, I stopped setting long-term goals five-year goals because really do we know what's going to happen in five years for a start and I switched my switched my mindset to more of a challenge based thing so I'll set one year challenges now I don't call them goals and it's only a slight reframing in my mind, but it helps me stay on track and it doesn't feel too far away uh, and, and it feels fun and I, can enjoy it, and I can enjoy it in the moment because it's a challenge rather than a goal. And those kind of challenges tend to present themselves in different ways. So if, you know, last year I decided to take Twitter seriously, so the challenge was to write on Twitter every day for a year uh, and challenges in the past have been... I want to get better at running, so I'm going to run a mile every day for a year. All these kind of things. So instead of thinking about goals for me, I'm still thinking long-term, but I don't think in the word in goals. I think in the word in challenges because it's fun. And that kind of comes in a little bit as well to another kind of thinking that I've had for a while, um, optimizing for fun. Everything we do should you know, have some element of fun in it. And if we can't find the fun in it, really why 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 are we doing it i like this idea of delayed gratification i'll let you jump in in a second here as well stoic i like this idea of delayed gratification but even when we delay in gratification there should still be some joy in the immediate moment of the thing that we're doing otherwise all we're doing is something that makes us miserable and that builds up over time even if we say okay, I'm going to do this thing that makes me really sad for a year. 
and then we're going to get something valuable out of it. It still makes you sad in the moment every time. So there's lots of weird things going on here that's carefully, trying to carefully balance. After a couple of experiences that I had where I was delaying gratification and then the thing didn't pay off, but I'd made myself miserable for a year, I tried to stop doing that and optimize for fun more often. And what are your thoughts on that, Stoic? Yeah, I think that's really, yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's such a difficult topic that, yeah, exactly that, that first tweet, the sort of last couple of lines of it are, it, although it's sort of a bite-sized piece, as just a reminder for me. Yeah, exactly. As you haven't, maybe I have sort of included in there as well, exactly. You're playing a balancing game. So yeah, you, you've got to definitely, as, as Craig said, sort of optimise for, for happiness as, um, in the short run as well but it's just yeah it's just the way that you go about it. you can align both of them if you're and it's a really hard thing to do but yeah the aim is to sort of align both of them so that you're enjoying yourself and you're keeping yourself on a trajectory where you're maximizing your future happiness yeah so you're, you're sort of maximizing your future happiness without making a deficit in your current happiness that's the sort of the, the way that you're going and i think um i was going to add as well there's a really good line um of Seneca's, which when he's talking about this, where he says that uh, nature's desires are limited, ask yourself whether the path you're walking is capable of coming to a rest at any point. If there's always something further away, be sure it is not something natural. Um, which I think is a really nice way of sort of saying a lot of the things where uh, they're sort of natural uh, have a sort of end path. So um, happiness definitely has a sort of end path, and that like you can get your to the point where you're really peaceful and calm with everything that happens in the world and you don't you're not angered by reality just being itself um and then you'll be you'll be calm and you'll be happy which is that's a very good end goal so that's a very sort of natural path whereas you can have these paths that sort of keep going and always you're still further away so if uh if craig uh sort of pins his happiness on catching up with me on twitter followers if i keep moving away from him he's never he's never going to be happy and that's just not because he'd be trying to catch me, it'd be because he'd be he'd have set a goal for himself, which isn't a natural path. The same as I could always be like, oh, I've always got less followers than this person. That's a very silly thing for me to pin any of my happiness or my enjoyment on because it's not a, there's no natural end to that path. I could always say, oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I think those sort of things when it comes to, it's the same with being wealthy. And I think all of the stoics are sort of, there's so many lines uh, on Twitter all the time about sort of renouncing wealth um, and sort of just letting it all go. Obviously, you need the, the basics and the essentials in life, but past that point, which a lot of us living in the Western world are lucky enough to, to have in, in abundance, uh, you, you have all you need already. The, to, to be happy beyond that point is nothing to do with having more stuff. Uh, most of us are already living in an age of abundance. What you, what you need is actually either to take, some, take a little bit away so that you realize what you've actually got um, and just to enjoy what what you currently have. I think uh, we'll we'll come to you, bloody hell, in in two seconds. But I just really want to say this this line that I think sums all this up about the, this idea of always wanting more. There's an excellent quote by Emerson: "Much will have more." That's it. Much will have more. Whenever we want more, we'll always want more. I think it's a fantastic way of looking at it. Hard to achieve. But once you get to that point where you, you realize that always wanting more just leads to always wanting more, you actually start to become a little bit happier. Um, so, Bladiel, I know you've waited a really long time. Is your name Bladiel or is okay. it? It's, it's 
bloody hell. Ah, bloody just, hell. just pronounce it bloody hell. There you go. So it's a play on words there. Um, glad you can hear me. And uh, thanks for the space, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, to be honest with you, I'm really just searching for context, just to be honest with you. Um, my journey is a bit different um, in terms of, uh, you know, I've always thought that I'd had everything figured out uh, from when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I've kind of pretty much gone on that path the entire time. Um, my focus uh, has always been career-wise, and uh, I thought that the majority, the intimate aspect of hopefully achieving satisfaction in life would come naturally. Um, the truth is it hasn't. And what's really, really, really sometimes hard for me to grasp, really, is that um, there seems to be a lot of uh, focus placed on uh, abandoning uh, an intimate relationship in search of, uh, you know, self-pleasure or becoming self-sufficient. And um, I always wonder, is, is there a third opportunity? Is there a, an alternative to that where, you know, I, I can achieve my main goal, which was, oh, hey, uh, I definitely want to move their family. I definitely want to be able to have that kind of, um, you know, support system around me, which is something I haven't had. And so, you know, this uh, th this is actually what led me to the Stoic Empire in the first place. Um, and I also have to say that those simple graphics that you guys have pinned is probably one of the most effective uh, means of me understanding and grasping concepts. So I don't know if you guys want to talk about that any. Mm. So I'll, yeah, Craig, you probably better this. Well, I, I think to some extent, what we need to talk about first is work-life balance, right? That's that's the thing that Bladiel is is talking about. By the way, is is the play on words with Bladiel? Because when I'm saying Bladiel, that's the thing that English people say, bloody hell. I just feel like I'm just saying exactly bloody correct. <laughs> bloody yeah, hell. That's exactly that's exactly why I put it. So I'm Jamaican, but uh, British parented, so uh, that, it kind of comes naturally to me. So that's the play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say and sound like an idiot, but yeah, that's that's quite good. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I mean, where do we start? Work-life balance. That I mean, that that's that's a topic quite close to my heart because a lot of people always tell me I work too hard. Um, my girlfriend always tells me that I make myself busy, um, and I I have in various times throughout my career, I guess, become a workaholic where the balance has not been right, and when that has happened for me, um, things things have gone wrong or um you know i'm just not very happy i thought that focusing on the career and getting better at the career almost obsessively so pathologically so was going to bring me happiness and out of the other end it never did so what i started to realize you know, the whole work-life balance thing uh it's it's hard to balance it's hard to spin many plates it's hard to be it sounds like maybe you're a little bit like me, uh, bloody hell. <laughs> it sounds you maybe you're a little bit like me where you always want to be the best at things. And even when I do a hobby, so I, I recently took up mountain biking or, and previous to that it was jujitsu, I always want to be the best. I don't just do the hobby for the fun. So I, that was a big pressure on me, even in my hobbies. So even when we're talking about work-life balance, I was still pressured, pressuring myself to be the best I could possibly be and not just enjoying it. And that's why I mentioned the thing about optimizing for fun, which has really helped me a lot in my life over these last couple of years. I'm now at the happiest I've ever been 
primarily because I now look at things in a different way. The results are very rarely different. I actually still am successful at all the things that I do, but thinking about getting the enjoyment out of them and enjoying them in the present moment, which is another key thing of Stoicism, has really helped me try and overcome that little bit of misery and competitiveness and obsessiveness with perfection that I used to have. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Stoic, and then we'll talk about the visual stuff. Is he there? Um, oh, hello. Yeah, I'd say, uh, was was the was the question uh, originally about sort of whether you're, you were sort of saying whether it's kind of like self-realization or being happy, was it in a relationship? Uh, yeah, so the two of them are literally unique. They're intertwined for me because I don't feel like I can be truly happy without having that same lifelong goal that I've had since I was 10, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And maybe um, I just need to disabuse myself of that notion from now on. I feel like the the, the, the words that I'm reading and the, the philosophy that I'm taking in really does point me in that direction. But I'll be a little, I'll be honest, since I'm a little stubborn, um, I'm still a little hooked on my original day one dream of, hey, this is the most financially stable I've ever been in my entire life. I'm, you know, low 30s and now I, I feel like I've, I've either misdirected myself or something, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, I think I, I wrote a, a tweet a while back which was sort of referring to the point of, in terms of uh, whether it's like a sort of relationship with, with someone um, and then whether it's kind of being happy on your own, the, the key is that you in a relationship is to have both people be independently happy and then you'll be happy together kind of thing. You don't, I think relationships are quite unhealthy where you have someone who's, who is, um, who's, who's not happy individually and then they sort of start relying on the other person for their happiness, which is, is obviously not a, a great thing to do. You want to be happy as an individual and then meet someone who's also happy as an individual um, and happy being themselves. And I think that's, that's the way to have a really sort of happy and peaceful relationship. And, the, and you can apply that to the same thing in, in sort of your broader life. Yeah, so, you know, as you go through, through life, you're obviously going to have sort of ups and downs and um, I think the key is to try and try and be to be calm and peaceful and happy regardless of what's going on externally. If you're one of the really nice um, parts of Stoicism, which I think people really, I, I still struggle to apply, is to sort of when 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 your life. I think a lot of people know that sort of when your life sort of takes a downturn, that you need to try and sort of stay um, just stay sort of in a, an okay state and not sort of collapse along with it. Um, and then when, when there's stuff to, to enjoy, you can obviously enjoy it, but um, to not get carried away. So when, the, when you sort of, if, if life deals you a bit of fortune, um, you sort of take the, the fortune and then, you, you know, you carry on and you, you stay sort of focused in the present moment, not just sort of getting lost away in the, the fact that you suddenly receive this fortune um, and just get carried away with it. So I think you sort of want to live in this sort of happy medium where you, you don't let too much external disrupt your sort of, calm internal state and you just try to make that the kind of focus of of your your energy i think uh taleb has got a really good way of putting that the whole anti-fragile thing if you've uh not not read the anti-fragile book it's just called anti-fragile by taleb and uh, nicholas taleb um the whole idea of being anti-fragile is an i is the idea of 
basically if something bad happens to you that you um you don't get crushed by the situation you actually thrive in the situation and also the reverse is true that that's the whole idea of being anti-fragile it's not just that you survive in conflict or in in difficult scenarios is that you actually thrive in difficult scenarios yeah that yeah that is the exact principle of the book and it's uh, i find that book absolutely astounding because there's i'd never thought about that principle at all in any any respect before reading that book um and then suddenly he sort of introduces this kind of mental model and way of thinking about the world that makes i think i think celeb gets quite a lot of criticism especially nowadays and kind of like the uh the pro bitcoin crowd but that that principle in that book is absolutely amazing and the, and the way it, you can sort of you can explain a lot of the world with his kind of concept there um i think it's brilliant yeah bloody hell have you got- I, I, I i've got to check that one out anti-fragile i think that speaks to quite a lot of exactly what it is that i am searching for for the most part um anti-fragile but even just the word uh, appeals to me i wish I wish I could be anti-fragile. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, I, actually, everything we've just been talking about here is a little bit like the, the, the tweet that I've put above there. So, a, a while ago, I put your tweet up about another tweet from the thread. If you're intelligent, you won't, offended by, you won't be offended by being wrong. If you've mastered the skill, you won't be hurt by failure. If you possess character you'll be indifferent to praise and criticism. If you're internally at peace, you won't be angered right by reality. That's all the stuff we've just been talking about, right? Yeah, that is literally the, uh, that's four, basically four sort of um, applications of, of anti-fragile, exactly, yeah. Um, the first the first one is very similar to, if you don't follow on Twitter, um, there's like a, a an account for Richard uh, Feynman, the scientist, but it's not obviously, it's not obviously him, um, and uh, that's really good. And there's a lot of stuff on there about sort of education and the way that schooling um, nowadays is, is probably not the best way to teach. Um, uh, but that kind of was inspired from uh, one of his tweets on there, um, which is which is just a kind of epitome of intelligence. Um, you know, I, I luckily I, I didn't have to sort of work this out for myself. I've always grown up with this kind of mindset of I, I'm more interested in what's right, not right, because I but I've grown up believing, you know this side of politics or this or this i've always just been interested in what is scientifically correct um because i think that's that's kind of the foundation for in terms of also when yeah so when we're talking in terms of sort of you know judging things events the news the world um what people do i think the only sort of credible basis to judge them on is is sort of from a scientific kind of core to start with because the the science kind of is open to to people kind of it, it, you know it can be falsified it's open to people saying you know like oh that's not true because you can expect by doing experiments whether it's something like um religion you it's quite you can't sort of say oh this god doesn't exist because there's no way to prove whether they do or don't whereas with science you can keep doing experiments on gravity and it will always work which is such a nice sort of um principle of it which i think is the way you want to to approach uh, the rest of your life um and i think that's what that first kind of point is trying to make and that if you if you are intelligent being wrong is is more like a blessing because then you realize there's something that you were incorrect about that you'll now for the rest of your life be correct about so i've always approached it in that sense if someone has if someone can correct me on something and show me what's what's right 
regardless of what my personal views are or how heavily I believed it was, I, I believed it was right in the past. If that's changed, then I'd be more than happy to, to change my opinion. I, I think that's a really powerful way of sort of going about and making sure your biases don't get in the way of things. I, th- I think it's the, it's just the only way we can really improve, isn't it? Because you, we, we're always guilty of, of, of the bias of, of when we get any little bit of success, we start to believe our own, um, you know, to be a bit crude, believe our own bullshit. Um, we are, we all get to that point, whether it's getting a couple of thousand Twitter followers and you get people following you, telling you you're correct all the time, or whether it's success in a job and you start to become quite high up in the company and suddenly you don't find yourself surrounded by many people who are saying no anymore. It's very easy to get pulled into that world of appearing to always be right. But the reason you appear to be right is because nobody is telling you that you're wrong anymore. Yeah, exactly. And nowadays, more than ever, with social media, you can, it's so easy to get yourself into some sort of uh, bubble. If you, if you, if you, if you don't realize what you're doing, you'll end up creating yourself a, a news feed, which where you only follow certain wing of politics or something like that and you won't you'll get this biased view that you don't even realize you're giving yourself um which i think is is obviously a, a grand mistake in that in that sense so yeah you always uh you always don't want to take any offense um by being wrong and you just want to accept it for what it is and then try and update your sort of worldview to reflect that you know that this now is true um which is, is a really hard skill to do and it and it the other thing is it makes you humble as a person because if you if you learn to just accept what's true, not what if 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 someone you absolutely love and you see as an idol says something, you should judge them the same that you would judge someone who is not your idol and someone you you don't like so much because judge them on what they say, not who they are. And if you if you always judge them on what they say, you won't be fooled by you know even your idol can be wrong. And when they're wrong, you you can stay right if you just stick to what you know is that actually true rather than um thinking oh because i i really like this person i'm just going to believe it's true regardless of what they say yes i i try to spend i don't know if you're the same but as as an antidote to this i try to spend a lot of my time doing ego destroying activities so we've all got ego we are we all get to that point where we do start to believe ourselves a little bit and i try to spend a lot of my time doing things that destroy that ego so becoming the beginner again by starting new projects and being rubbish at them, doing things like I mentioned jujitsu before. When I started jujitsu, I was terrible, um, and that's a really humbling experience. If we can try and find those experiences in our life that basically make us realize that we are not only wrong but we are bad, at, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, they can be very useful experiences to destroy that ego that we sometimes build up. Yeah, I think that's a really nice, um, that's a really nice sort of application of that principle of how you can, yeah, how you can use it to make sure you never sort of go off the path and you try and try and destroy away a bit of your own ego. Yeah, that's really good actually. I think also from that tweet, the other one that, well, the other two that I, I really like, the third line of, if you possess character, you'll be indifferent to praise and criticism. Um, I think we being indifferent to criticism is hard um but we know a lot of people sort of realize that yeah that's right and that like you know you can't just always there'll always be someone to criticize you if people are critiquing you and they're right in what they say that then you need to move back to the first line of if you're wrong then you definitely want to listen to them not not just disregard it the difference is 
and it's a really difficult balancing game is how do you sort of disregard criticism that is is blind and irrational and doesn't make any sense and it's just the person trying to critique you as a person versus someone critiquing your work and they have a really good point and those two you don't want to sort of just block out everything and miss all the really good criticism which can make you better but at the same time you don't want to listen to just basically what i call kind of background noise which doesn't isn't trying to improve the situation it's just people just having a go um so i think yeah so that's that kind of point that sort of aspect of it and then the other part is the the praise part which i think a lot of people find difficult in in and the principle of it is that if 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 I'm always looking for Craig's approval, for instance, on Twitter, then he essentially holds actually quite a lot of power over me. Um, and uh, you, d- you don't want to give people that power to sort of, you, you don't want your, if, if you if you rely on praise for your happiness, then you're basically, I'd basically be saying, oh, Craig it decides whether I'm happy, depending on whether he wants to praise me, which yes. is a position you don't really want to find yourself in. So I think with, with that, you, you sort of want to find, and the, the graphic for that one is absolutely amazing. I think it kind of, shows all four of them really even if you just change the active titles um yeah so you, you want to be the person on the right basically where every time someone criticizes you you take what is true about what they say and you apply it and everything that is just an insult but has no truth behind it you want to just uh, sort of disappear and let it be background noise and the same when people praise you it's nice to be praised but at the same time you don't want to rely on people for for praise you want to be happy with yourself and then if people praise you on top of that that's great but if they don't praise you then you don't want to sort of have a void where you're like oh i didn't get praised today so that's going to ha- now have an impact on my happiness well, yeah the the problem like actually before i say that i will say just one thing we're, we'll we'll stay for a couple more minutes um if anybody's got any final questions or anything they want to jump up um please ask now because we'll, we'll finish this around six ish um the just one thing i i want to say on on uh, that kind of thing is that not only if you are looking to other people for praise it's quite in, internally damaging but also there's people who will, will exploit that as well there is actually people who will recognize your desire for praise and actually exploit you for it yeah definitely exactly so it's a, yeah you want to source it all internally um and and if you get good at doing that then you don't need to rely on other people's praise and if it's there it's there and if it's not then you shouldn't miss it i just want to quickly finish on this the the latest tweet that i've put in there to break habits change internal reputation to become free be unexposed to external reputation i found this one quite interesting um particularly the first part to break habits change internal reputation what did you mean by that? Yeah, so I did realise after I included that that it's probably I probably uh, it's probably too much of a sort of philosopher's tweet where it makes sense to me because I wrote it, but it actually doesn't make a lot of sense maybe to to someone else unless you've already thought of what that could be referring to and you'd already thought about the principle of it. But basically, the the premise of it is, um, and this is uh, I I think on one of your podcasts you spoke to someone who recommended um, James Clear's book, didn't they? Mm. Uh, Atomic Habits. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, have you read it yet? No. <laughs> uh, it is. It's a really good book. Um, there's some stuff in there which is kind of general, you know, general sort of habits and stuff, which is quite obvious. And but there are some points in there which are really, really good. And this was one of the points which I'd thought of before, but I read it in the book, and he had a really nice way of phrasing it, and that kind of made it a bit more concrete in my mind. Mm. Um, which is, yeah. So if 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 you have habits 
the way to get rid of a bad habit is rather than sort of um, it, well, especially if you're struggling to get rid of a bad habit, you, what you want to do is you want to change who you think you are inside internally. So if, if yes. you wanted to quit smoking, for instance, I think I gave this as an example on Twitter before. If you wanted to quit smoking, if you, if you change your sort of internal, uh, loads of times I've sort of said characters, your internal reputation, that, that sort of principle. If you change your sort of internal reputation, so who, who you really identify as inside, um, if you change that to, to be someone who you think, oh, I'm going to be around for my grandkids um, and I'm going to be healthy so that I can live a long time and I can enjoy spending time with my grandkids and the rest of my family. If you identify as someone who's more like aligned to that, then giving up smoking becomes really easily and you, uh, easy and you can apply that to a whole range of habits that you're trying to, to give up. If you, if you change who you think you are to be someone who wouldn't do that habit and you really I, you believe internally that you are that person then giving up the habit becomes incredibly easy to do because you don't identify with as the person who would do that habit anymore um, yes. which I thought was a really powerful sort of mental model for breaking for breaking habits yeah I, I've actually despite still not reading the atomic habits um, that's actually what I thought you meant by this because that's something I strongly believe in some um, I've changed a lot of habits over the last eight years by doing that kind of exact thing and I've recorded podcasts about it too about this idea of if you want to start lifting weights you need to start seeing yourself as a weightlifter and accepting that whole personality and that becomes part of your personality if you want to become a, a runner or if you want to be somebody who he eats healthy you don't go on a diet you say that you are someone who now he eats healthy you are a healthy person and when you change your character or internal reputation is the way that you put it like that it doesn't become a choice anymore between doing the right thing or the wrong thing it's just the thing that you do because it's you it is your core personality trait and there's no choice to it then i found this yeah. happened to me quite a lot when i, I was um, about eight years ago i was massively overweight and I, obviously i tried dieting and things like that i never worked and then I started getting into particular kinds of exercise. At that time, it was weightlifting and also running. And then as time went on, I started realizing that I was doing certain things. So I was I was starting to talk about weightlifting to my friends and trying to get them to do it. And I was also buying T-shirts to, to do with lifting weights or things like that. And I was buying lifting equipment and accessories. And what I realized over time was that I'd become somebody who lifts weights. It, it wasn't a choice anymore. It was just part of my personality. It was my DNA at that point. And when I realized that, I thought, you know, this could probably apply to a lot of other things in life too, both negatively and positively, because we often find ourselves, it works the other way too. If for the longest time I, I um, kind of said that I was a designer, that was the thing that I was, and it was stopping me from doing other things, you know, making YouTube videos or podcasts or whatever. So it can work both positively and negatively, but it's such a powerful concept, I agree. Yeah. Also, it's so good sort of explaining these kind of vague concepts and then you sort of bring it down to the ground with these amazing uh, examples, which I think are absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, so the, the, the second part of that, uh, tweet. I suddenly realised you sort of had the internal reputation and the external reputation, sort of, and I was thinking, what do they both sort of give you from that? And I only realised the the second part, um, 
I think from, I can't remember what book I was reading, but I suddenly sort of realized the second part as well in that uh, it's kind of what we are talking about before. So with praise and criticism, so to become free, be unexposed to external reputation. So that's the same, the same principle that, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're, I think the theme to lab, it might've been from reading one of his books actually, because he's, he's the exact example of this as a kind of uh, like the modern philosopher. And he, you know, he's so unexposed to people's reputations. He, he gives an example, I think, of someone calling him out and then his book sales just going up because someone tried to attack him for his work kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the idea of anti-fragile as well. But um, yeah, you, you know, it's the same principle of praise and criticism. You, you don't want to be exposed to what other people have as an opinion about you. You want to have your internal opinion and you want to, you know, you don't want to let that get, out of hand otherwise you end up with too much ego but you want to sort of have this internal opinion and you want to check it with reality by sort of you know making sure you, you're humble and you're kind and you're grateful and you, you're peaceful and you're calm and you're happy um, but at the same time you want it to be sort of very different to your you know your your you don't want to have this external reputation that can that can do damage to you. you want that to be sort of out of the way and and basically untouchable in, in that regard mm. So I, I want to finish this off, but seeing as though you you told uh, you was just talking about maybe a mistake that you made on this thread, I'm gonna just reveal a mistake that I made on this thread as well for the visuals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on uh, the tweet I've just put in the spaces, um, the bar chart one, the one about material wealth is overrated. Um, I actually made a spelling mistake on the visual. It says how are you are, um, instead of saying how you are it says how are you are so i only i didn't even i didn't even notice that until you said it <laughs> sorry i've spoiled, <laughs> I spoiled it for you but yeah there's <laughs> there was a mistake in there but yeah nobody else has noticed it's one of the most popular tweets in the thread so there you go maybe we should uh maybe we should redo that one and i'll just post it as a, as a loan tweet on the page if it can it be in its true form <laughs> yeah it just goes to show that people don't read doesn't it <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that that was that was awesome to chat about that. Um, yeah, uh, is there any final points you want to make or anything before we jump off? Uh, no, I think that's everything. I was I was just going to say um, as well. I know you've got your the the book's called the Daily. Is it the Daily Visual? Is that right? The book that's coming out is called the Magic Visual. It's the thing. The that, magic. Yeah, it's the thing that's taken up my entire life right now until when it really <laughs> releases on Saturday, so that it is. Um, a book about how to make visuals a little bit like the ones that we've got on the Stoic Empire one here. Visuals that get noticed, visuals that get shared, retweeted, etc, etc. Uh, and it's uh, basically got three parts. The fundamentals, the principles, and the patterns. So it basically walks you through fundamentals on how to make them, then principles and rules on how to do them, and then patterns right at the very end is actually real-life battle-tested visual templates that I've used um, whilst I've been doing this for the last year. Sounds, sounds excellent, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing back of it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, man. It's pleasure as always. We'll have to do this again sometime. It was fun. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to another one. Cool. Right, speak to you soon. See you later. Yeah, speak to you soon. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>